and welcome to an all-new episode of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. My name is Nick Wiltang and joining me today is Jasmine Barber. And Jasmine, you wanted to recall one more episode for the season you said last week. So why are we here then? Because we can't end a season without reviewing the best, the weird and the wonderful moments. We have to have a season review. So in part one, I think we'll dive into a few categories that I've chosen, highlighting <laughs> some of the most vivid memories from, from this season. And in part two, the two of us will present our very personal teams of the season. So all of that is to come. So here we are, part one of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition is here, and well, Jasmine, uh, let's just start off with the, the most vivid memory of the season. I mean, we've had 34 match days, we've had two matches in the relegation or slash promotion playoff matches, so what got stuck in your mind from those 36 wonderful experiences? Well, I've put two moments in here. I think people who listened to me last week will know that one of the most vivid memories of the season with the flares being thrown from Dresden Ultras onto the pitch and also the Kaiserslautern fans also throwing fireworks into the crowd. For someone who's never really experienced that, it's definitely stuck in my mind that the smell that I couldn't get out of my hair until the next day, just the light of it, it was definitely something. But... The second one I have to go with just a little bit further is not a game. It was this year's scandal and, you know, just I think it was like 10pm at night. Just a sudden statement on Twitter saying Marcus Anfang allegedly had a fake passport vaccination. I've never experienced something like that in my life. Obviously, Max used to work under Marcus Samfang at Darmstadt last season. So, yeah, was very surreal. Everything that came out afterwards. I think if that had happened in my normal life, it would be surreal. The fact that it happened like this was even more surreal. I mean, it was, uh, I remember, I think it was, a uh, was it Friday night? I think. Because I yeah, uh, because it was, I no, it was, oh, it, it was Thursday, Thursday night. night. I think it was Thursday night, and they let it roll on all of Friday because Saturday you had the match against Schalke, and it got to a point, and then it got like more details was getting released like little bit by little bit till a point where then Marcus Anfang said, "I have to step down," and then there was just no one for the Schalke match. Yeah, I mean, the guy who was in charge for that match, he's actually left Werder Bremen already. Was uh, it Jankovic? It was. At that time? It was. And then he got COVID the week after. Yes, and then they put, uh, I think, Christian Brandt and Cedric Macchiardi on the sidelines for the match against Holstein Kiel, which they obviously had to do because they couldn't sign Oliverna before that match. But yeah, it was absolutely crazy because I remember reading about this and, you know, Anfang refuting the allegations and... On Friday night, I'd just been to a live podcast, you know, a Norwegian podcast called Dritte Halbzeit, which is all about German football in Oslo. And, you know, we were just at, at the after party. 
in a bar or watching, I think, Bayern against Augsburg or some match that Bayern actually lost, I think. And it's suddenly my, my phone sort of lit up with messages and pop notices saying that, well, Marcus Anfang actually might be in some really deep shit here, which, you know, what was the talk of the party at, at that point? I think it was on the talk and everyone, like, from my, I can't obviously go into too many details, but I was obviously closer than most to what was happening, and the real fucking thing about it was that it felt like I had jinxed him because I had that article liking him to Pep Guardiola because of the inverted uh, fullbacks and stuff. Oh god, I deleted that so quickly. <laughs> it was so surreal. Because that was someone that I had actually adored for quite a long time in, in German football, in the German lower leagues. You know, I mean, I mean, Werder got promoted this season and uh, when he left them, they were sort of in a position where they were struggling quite a bit. But I think he actually had the forethought and vision to ask uh, Frank Baumann to do everything to get Marvin Dux on board, which Frank Baumann then did. And, you know, the way he and Oliverna play football, it's not that different, really. Uh, so I think that he actually deserves a bit of the credit for Bremen getting promoted this season. And we may say whatever we want about his life choices, which were obviously quite poor. But as, you know, a, a coach, a football coach, he really knows what he's talking about and he really knows what he's doing. And um, it's a shame to see him fall down like this. Yeah. But hey, maybe, just maybe, one side in the Bundesliga 2 might get desperate enough for a good coach very, very soon. His ban, I think, is up so on... So still free? His ban is up on... Is it July? No, June 1st? Yeah, it's something July like 1st. that, I think. Yeah. So he can actually go into the new season coaching his side if he wants to. Anyways, my you know most vivid memory of the season was actually Werder Bremen's Paderborn match. You know, the one where they trailed 3-1 and in the end 1-4-3. I think at that point, I mean, I'm a Vertebrain fan, and that's probably why I chose that moment. But, you know, Vertebrain was sort of like on a high under Oliverna, but that was actually the first time when the shit really started hitting the fan. And, you know, to see the team that only a few weeks prior to that probably would have just succumbed to whatever was happening to them and just, you know, the match would have ended 3 1. They actually managed to get their stuff together and win the match 4 3. It was an incredible thing to behold. And uh, yeah, I think at that point, I, I was thinking to myself quietly that, hmm, maybe Werder might be in with a shot of getting promotion after all this season. And they did. So um, yeah, happy times. Very, very happy times. So those are my most vivid memories of the season. Anyways, uh, let's move on to the next category that I've jotted down. And that is this season's biggest surprise. I mean, there are quite a few for me. Our getting relegated are, you know, our team that just had been around forever and ever uh, playing crappy football, always staying in the league. That was a surprise. Marcus Anfang, speaking it to you. Marcus Anfang, that was <laughs> nice. a surprise. Regensburg <laughs> topping the table at the start of the season, that was a surprise. But, you know, I mean, there were even bigger surprises, right? Yeah, I have to say, I think people would get sick of me talking about Darmstadt in this podcast, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, for me, it was Darmstadt's title run. Considering they lost Marcus Anfang, who did quite a good job with them last season, the fact that they lost Sada Dursen, my rap, Victor Paulsen to Schalke, it was a complete rebuild. And 
due to the efforts of Max and his crazy brain who works incredibly, they managed to get everyone that they needed and have a really good structure in place for the title and especially what with what happened at the start of the season with that COVID outbreak I didn't think it was going to go as well as it did this season as I think I mentioned on another episode before 60 points in three times of the last four would have been enough for automatic promotion so to come fourth and miss out on a relegation playoff is crazy as it is but to also miss out automatic promotion is even crazier it just shows how strong some of the league was this year so yeah to even put up such a title race throughout the season was uh, a massive surprise for me yeah i mean we expected there to be an exciting race i mean out of the uh, 100 plus german championship titles that have been handed out since football had been started playing in germany I think there were nearly 50 titles represented among the sides playing in the Zweite Bundesliga this season. So there was a lot of tradition, a lot of money, and a lot of big clubs. You know, not only Werder and Schalke, but, you know, you've got HSV, you've got Nuremberg, you've got Karlsruhe SC, Fortuna Düsseldorf, Hanover 96. I mean, there were so many sides that do have a Bundesliga past, and in, in many cases, a very recent Bundesliga past. So um, to see it go down all the way to the wire wasn't really a big surprise, but what was surprising to me was the fact that San Pauli were still in it that late, Darmstadt were still in it that late, and hey, HSV finished third for, you know, for the first time ever. We made them finish third, and I told you there's nothing anyone could do about it because they were finishing above us um yeah, it was nearly the season that they made it, which was really surprising as well. No, I don't think anyone expected quite the season that we had. I mean, Tim Walter not getting fired by HSV is also a surprise given how hostile the working environment in Hamburg can be and how quickly tabloids, fans and the surroundings of the club turn you know, to melancholy and unhappiness and uh, rash decision-making whenever... Things haven't gone their way for two or three matches. So to see him stick it out and to, you know, finish off the season in the Bundesliga 2 on a high note, I think it was a good thing for the club. Unfortunately, they didn't manage to get past Hertha in, in that promotion playoff, uh, which, you know, after the first, like, I would also label a surprise. But yeah, that was HSV. But uh, if, if I had to pick just one thing as the biggest surprise of the season, it's actually the fact that both Schalke and Werder Bremen got promoted at the end of the season and that sounds like a weird thing to say because everybody's going to say well yeah you know they had the best squad they have the most money they play spend the most on wages but let's just you know track back to the start of the season in that match against Fortuna Düsseldorf which Werder won 3-2 I think two of the goal scorers were Josh Sargent and Maximilian Eggestein both of them left shortly after it was a chaotic transfer summer for Werder Bremen. It was really absolutely chaotic. You didn't know who was going. You didn't know who was coming. Who was going to refuse to play because they wanted to join the next team already. Oh, I'm sorry, Josh Sargent. I'm still bitter. <laughs> he got relegated again, so who cares? Yeah, well, even Marco Friedel refused to play, but, you know, he, he had a change of heart after that. But, yeah, anyways, from a Werder perspective, it was chaotic and... You know, to f shape a team out of that sort of mess, uh, which uh, Marcus Anfang quite 
you know, he didn't quite manage to do that, but Ole Werner then did. That was quite an accomplishment. And, you know, for Schalke, I think they went into the season with the completely wrong coach and they stuck it out with him for far too long. Yeah, that was a team. I think I will explain some of my reasoning slightly later in part two, but that was a team that in another year was not getting promoted and... It was very risky sacking Gramatzis at the time that they did. And I think even if they sacked him earlier, we could have gotten a different outcome. Because obviously at the end, you saw the game they lost like against Werder Bremen. They were absolutely terrible. Yeah, they could have had more of those games too. So yeah, completely surprised that they were with the wrong coach. Sacked him right in the end and it worked in their favour, but... Yeah, really, really lucky. And they still don't have a coach, so God knows what's going on with them. Yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, um, as I said earlier, there was a lot of quality around in the league as well from all other areas. I mean, a team like Fortuna Düsseldorf, I looked at them at the start of the season and thought, well, they look really good on paper. So they, they are kind of a disappointment for me as well. But we get to the disappointments later on. Well, anyways, uh, let's move on to the next category of put down and that is the season's best fan related story and I, I think you probably have a bit of a story that is probably going to warm everyone's hearts oh my god yeah I, so everyone who knows me knows that i don't know much that much about fan culture in germany i haven't been to many games and i can't read that much german so it makes it very hard for me to engage into german fan stories as much and I can't remember a lot either. So I'm going to tell you a slightly different fan story. So when me and Max met, we met in Hamburg in July 2020 and um, we were walking around near St. Pauli actually and a kid in a Dresden top, a little Dresden jacket, we just walked past this kid and he was walking the opposite way to us he just kind of stopped and looked at Max. And I didn't think anything of it, but I realised that kid had clocked him. Max didn't clock anything because I don't think people realise in the streets when people look at them and neither do I. But I clocked this kid looking and I thought nothing of it. Max then joined Darmstadt from the Dresden that summer, later that summer. And um, it wasn't until he became assistant coach this season Max told me that he received a letter from that fan saying, I saw you in Hamburg and I I think, oh, and I remember you in the Dresden games and stuff like that. And he asked for like his autograph card, which I think Max did send. And it was the cutest thing <laughs> that I, I can't remember how old he was. He must have been like nine yeah, to send a letter after like a season and know who Max was, it was very, very cute. So if that, that fan is listening to this podcast, which I don't think he is because he's a German who probably gets his German Spider-Bundesliga podcast or Dreiseliga now, poor him. It was very, very cute. The Dreiseliga online podcast isn't all that bad, I have to say. <laughs> it's part two of this one, normally. Yeah, it is. Well, maybe he's like a child genius and getting into, you know, learning his third language after learning Latin and now he's into English. Uh, <laughs> learning it through the medium of podcasts. Who knows? Anyways, my best fan-related story of the season was actually, it was actually to see the joy of the Kaiserslautern fans 
when they returned to the Bundesliga. I mean, Fuck you. <laughs> yes, there were a lot. Yeah, very cute. Um, no, I mean, there were a lot of traveling fans to Dresden, but additionally, uh, I think Kaiserslautern managed to sell out the Fritz Walter Stadion for like a public viewing session, and there were just loads and loads and loads of people aligning the streets of Kaiserslautern, and you just could see how big a relief it was for the entire city that the club finally was back in the Bundesliga 2. Mm, I have to agree A with place that. that is much more natural for, for them than, than the Dritte Liga. So, um, yeah, I think that that was actually, uh, you know, just to see that outpour of joy was incredible. I mean, contrast that to Bayern celebrating their championship at the Marine Platz in front of like five people and their dog. It's uh, <laughs> something entirely different. I'm being facetious. The best put down of the season that is actually <laughs> Zan Pauli, uh, shortly after the, the uh, general elections in Germany, the club Zan Pauli put up an ad on, on their LED advertising boards uh, saying, Zan Pauli grüßt den Flyer Service Hahn, which means uh, Zan Pauli is sending greetings to the Flyer Service Hahn. Now, the Flyer Service Hahn was actually an art collective which tricked the AFD, the alternative to Germany, far right-wing party consisting of people who, uh, you know, should wear aluminium foil hats, but who instead decide to put on suits and ties for some strange reason. The alternative for Germany, they are in many ways worse than Marine Le Pen, Gerd Wilders. I mean, they're, they're on the, at least the same level as these people. And to trick them and to make them pay a lot of money for flyers that they thought they were going to use to, you know, indoctrinate people into their bullshit... And then to find out that they actually had been tricked by an art collective. That was funny. And St. Pauli tipping the hat to that, absolutely magnificent. And to do it in such a subtle way, love it. Yeah, I don't think anything I can say will top messing with the AFD. So I'm not going to say anything that comes anywhere close. And I'm going to keep it really simple and keep it really petty. And just say the best put down was everyone ganging up on that one Hamburg fan who said Darmstadt and Pauli be like kind Aufstieg. And the moment Hamburg didn't go up, everyone went in on him. Yes. <laughs> Including me. Yeah, social media is such a cesspool for, you know, good behavior. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, come on, you cannot be talking about other people not being promoted when you're a Hamburg fan. I have no idea what drove that guy to post that in the first place. I mean... How many beers do we think he had? He's Danish. He's Danish? He was uh, German-Danish, yeah. German-Danish? Um, I don't know. Fifteen? Uh, Danes can drink. I mean, they really can. Fifteen? That's breakfast for a Dane. Wait. I don't know. Probably, probably more than that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's round off this segment by, you know, sharing the biggest disappointment from this season. And, um, well, I, I go first. I think it is actually really important that uh, Germany has uh, a club from East Germany in the Bundesliga. At least one. Ideally speaking, it should be two. I don't count RB Leipzig as an East German club. It just simply is not East German. It's just an artificial product placed in East Germany. So that doesn't count. So anyways, and I do think that it is important that there is a lot of East German representation in the Bundesliga 2 as well. And Dynamo Dresden getting relegated and our getting relegated meant that two of the three sides that went down were from East Germany. Yes, we got Magdeburg up there as well now, but, you know, there will be one fewer side from East Germany playing the Bundesliga 2 next season, and that is 
a sad story because, I mean, look at Dynamo Dresden, look at their history. I mean, they've had epic, epic matches in the European Cup. Uh, they were a very successful team throughout their entire history in East Germany. Look at Magdeburg. They won the uh, European Cup Winners' Cup against AC Milan back in the 70s. You know, it's to see these teams play play at, you know, second tier, third tier level and struggling at them is, is disappointing. And in the case of Dynamo, what really gets to me is I think that the fan support is there. The facilities, the stadium, it is there. The amount of people going through the gates on each match day, it is there. Including the riot It is police. a well-supported team, <laughs> highly protected by the Saxony police. So you just think that they should actually have... You know, after a couple of seasons in the Bundesliga 2, they should have the potential to sort of establish something that can get close to, you know, gaining promotion to the Bundesliga. I mean, clubs from smaller cities in West Germany have been playing in the Bundesliga forever and ever and ever. You've got Mainz, Augsburg. I mean, I've been to Augsburg once. Try to get something to eat after 10 in the evening in Augsburg. I promise you, you won't be able to. So, yeah, it's, it's bitterly disappointing and, you know, say what you want about the Dynamo Dresden fans. I, you know, I, I think I like it's, a, it's a complicated story. I mean, in terms of left, right and all of that. But going to matches in Dresden is, is fun. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's um, it's disappointing to see them down there. Yeah. And I think we had this talk a couple of weeks ago. And I don't want to say, oh, they need to, to be relegated to change. And that's BS. And we know it's BS. However, I think... I don't think it's that it's a good thing that they got relegated, but as you said, a lot of the things are already there to make them stable. It's just a few more things, and I think they can really nail that down now more than ever. Not for the fact that they got relegated, just because we knew that if their players did stay out, probably most of them are going, and now a lot of them are going to go, and that's probably best for I think 13 players on contracts that were just valid for the Bundesliga 2. That is a lot. And, you know, what kind of got to me as well while there was that a couple of these players that really should, you know, have done a better job negotiating those deals, making them have, you know, a valid contract in the Dritte Liga as well, like Kevin Ehlers. I mean, that guy is a talent. He probably has no problem finding a club in the Bundesliga 2 next season. And now he's coming on a free. Yeah, and they would have had, I don't think it's probably... I know I probably am giving people a lot more credit than they deserve. It's probably for a necessary reason. But I think they've got quite a good basis from probably a year or two ago. So let's just see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think they have most factors into that club. They just now need a coach too. Yeah, it was also the coach that only had a valid contract from the Spider Bundesliga and I think some of their coaching decisions have been a little bit all over the place and I think if they were gonna go with Capretti they should have stuck him out for the third league because he knows the third league on top. It's sort of like you really wonder what the sporting director and the leadership around him are thinking when they are going from vastly different playing styles like three times in a row. Yeah. You know from Kaczynski to Schmidt to Capretti you sort of like think you know, are you just throwing darts at, you know, a wall of pictures consisting of players on the market and you see whichever face is hit by the dart? To be fair, that is not 
exclusive to Twitter. No, no, Let's no. Let's be honest. Look how many clubs made shit decisions in the first, what, three, what, all leagues. I'm convinced sporting, I, I think I said this last week, I'm convinced sporting directors don't know. There's a lot of people in power and football clubs who honestly have no idea. No idea. Do not give them I just said I'm probably giving them too much like credit and then I'm like they don't deserve any credit and it's true <laughs> yeah I mean if you've ever read Soccernomics by Simon Cooper and Stefan Szymanski and you read about coaching decisions there I mean we did a whole episode about that thing on Talking Foosball Patreon where we just looked at what coaching changes had you know accomplished over the last was it two or three years? And you only ever saw a sort of a significant bounce in the points gathered per match in like two or three cases over like three years in the Bundesliga. I mean, like Mainz, they went from Schmidt to Schwarz and uh, had a guy before Schmidt as well. And you just looked at them and thought like, well, hang on, the points per match, they're exactly the same under all three guys. I mean, there might be a variation of 0.02 between two of them. But it's basically the same. So, um, yeah, coaching decisions, you know, if, if you get them right, they can make the difference between relegation and promotion in league, like the Zweite Bundesliga. But most of the teams, they sort of get them half right or wrong a lot. Anyways, I think you're also going to talk about a coaching decision for, for your biggest disappointment of the season. Yeah, Demetrius Grimaldis. I, I, I guess he didn't light the world on fire and they still had the best squad of the league, I think. In Schalke, even though they lost loads of players, they still had Taroda, they still had Palsen, they still had Salazar. I could go on. Uvajan. Yeah, so the fact that he didn't walk the league is very disappointing. Disappointed in Paderborn, especially after the first few weeks where they looked really good. Then it turned out they weren't actually winning any of their home games and instead winning all their away games and they dropped down the table. That was kind of disappointing for me. And also I have to join in on the Dusseldorf. A big, big coaching decision one there. Like they had Christian Preusser at the start, which they got from Freiburg under 23s. He didn't do anything and they have a good squad. So yeah, those are my three biggest disappointments there. Yeah, Daniel Tiyun, he didn't lose a match until the last match of the season and he coached them for almost half a season. So, I mean, you saw like what their potential was at that point. Um, you know, anyways, you could also put Hanover 96 on that list of teams, really. Yeah, again, uh, Jan Zimmerman, another awful coaching decision. Also, Regensburg, uh, Rückrunde, they were, remember they were top of the league. No one could beat them. 12 points in the last 17 matches. Yeah. I mean, that is... That was relegation. That is they, relegation form. They, they were near it at one point, and then they won a game, and they were like, yeah, we're safe now, and that was it. They they were very <laughs> terrible. Let's go celebrate somewhere. Uh, anyways, I think this is it for part one. In part two, we'll be talking about our personal teams of the season, so hopefully you'll be surprised with a couple of our choices. So here we go, it's the last part of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition, for the season probably. And, well, wow, 
It's only one thing left to do. It's to pick the best 11 of the season for the Bundesliga 2. So, uh, Jasmine, did you have a lot of trouble choosing your players? Did you sort of consider all the ins and outs? Were you sort of like thinking, hmm, if I tinkered with that and tactically speaking, those players would gel together, but, you know, I cannot pick him even though I like him? Or did you just put 11 players into a bunch that you thought had great seasons? I did a bit of both. I did a bit of both. And I also didn't take a few that you had said either, because I didn't want our listeners to get two of the same 11. So I decided to zhuzh it up a bit mix it up a bit. So I'm gonna start with my goalkeeper of the season. That's Hoya Fernandes from Hamburg. I think I could have gone for a lower league team. Like Sandhausen is another one who really had good goalkeeping, especially keeping them in games. And when you face a lot more shots, you tend to have a better goalkeeper for those. But I was gonna go, my thinking was with the team with the best defence and the least losses and that was Hamburg this season so uh, Hoya Fernandez did really well not only in goalkeeping but also playing out the ball at times it really added to Hamburg's fluidity in possession so yeah he was my number one choice moving on to left packs oh I'm not good at doing my left or right backs I'm pretty sure Overshan from Schalke is a left back <laughs> so yeah again I think he was the best one I, I didn't want to say Fabian Holland because I knew too much Darmstadt would make it boring I think Overshan had a terrific season as well I can't remember how many if he got many assists though but I think he was one of the shining stars of that Schalke team where as we said before I mean, yeah, they've got plenty of quality, especially up front and in midfield, but he was definitely the one in the back four that was really, really noteworthy. Next was uh, Darmstadt Paddy Pfeiffer, only 22 years old, did quite a good job this season in Darmstadt's back line, who kept it pretty tight most of the season, barring a couple of big losses to uh, Schalke and Hamburg. Then moving on, Sean Lau was a very good centre-back this season, as I said. I think they only conceded 35 goals and only lost six games, which was a record in the um, Spider League this season. And it was a record by quite a lot. Um, the next best defence was Werder Bremen by 43 goals. So, yeah, uh, Sean Lau was definitely, definitely good. Also, the, the right-back one, <laughs> me and Nick said off recording that both of us couldn't really remember any good right backs this season i don't think right backs well had... you, you went with the with the same one that hand city went with i mean when in doubt yeah. do what hand city does right yeah and i went with phil neumann from kiel i think that was the only one that i remembered being really good on the right hand side apart from my own team which would have been um matthias Bader. And to give this a little bit different, because we don't always have to go with the top five teams this season. Next in, I'm doing a full diamond too. So at the base of the diamond, I've got uh, Schalke Salazar. Again, out of Overjan Salazar and probably Simon Rodder, I would say 
everyone's going to pick Simon Tarada in their strike lineup, so I'm going to go with another shining star of that team. I think Salazar was an amazing buy for them, worked really well in that team, was definitely one of the reasons why they got promoted and kept somewhat within touching distance to anyone else. Then on the other, in the diamond, you've also got a Toby Kemper, I think he had such a season working in the middle of midfield at times. If he wasn't pushed up more in an 8-10 position, he also played more double pivot. And when it, the going got tough, he got going. It's amazing to see what he continues to do at Darmstadt. And I don't think Darmstadt would have done it without him, like the title race. Then I've got Schmied. I think for similar reasons of Kemper at Darmstadt, Schmied was at Werder Bremen. I think he's really technically gifted, doesn't give up, was a joy to watch in that Werder Bremen team as well. I mean, my only problem with him, it's a tiny problem, is that I think he could be a little bit more vicious when it comes to finishing off moves. Yeah. In terms of the end product, I think he has potential to improve. But you see that it's there, and I think the way... I mean, he's still quite young. I think he's going to develop into a player who's going to put, you know, have a little bit more end product going forward. He'll have to in the Bundesliga. <laughs> he will have to, yes. If he does, one year or two years from now, he might move on from, from Werder Bremen to bigger and better things for a lot of money. Don't put yourself down. I think Werder Bremen would, will be the bigger and better thing. <laughs> I mean, as long as Werder Bremen is the best club in the north, king of the north. Is it that many? Oh, they're still in Wolfsburg. Um, <laughs> yeah. And actually, Hertha Berlin is slightly higher than Wolfsburg in terms of stadium. Mm, yeah, I mean, so yeah, yeah, I mean. <laughs> there's a geography quiz for you. I may have, de- we and Max may have debated on that one. And moving on with the diamond, at the um, top of the diamond, you've got uh, Kira from St. Pauli. There's a bunch of Pauli um, strikers I could have put in. I think Kiera was really good at link-up play the season. Really, again, when he was gone at the African Cup of Nations, St. Pauli didn't really struggle because they had uh, Amin Yido, which I think also did a fabulous job um, covering him, especially against Dortmund in the DFB Pokal. But Kiera is one of a kind the way he links up play, the one way he lays off one-touch moves to people like Bergstoller. So, yeah, and I think he worked really well in Pauli's diamond this season. And then the top two, which it was very, 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 very hard for me this season. I will have to go Marvin Duksch, mainly because he was the goal scorer for Werder Bremen. He was the person who got them over the line at most times. And we know that Simon Tarod has done it before. We know Glatzel's good, but Duksch really pulled that team up. And another Darmstadt one for me, I will have to go Philip Tietz. No, he wasn't the top goal scorer within the team, but he is so much more than his goals. 15 goals, 9 assists. Fantastic all-rounder, really fun to watch, and you don't get many all-rounder strikers in the Bundesliga anymore. So uh, the Spider Bundesliga has loads of them. So 
I can see why Bundesliga teams have been interested in Philip Tietz and I really hope he can carry on that trademark of his, especially when he's so early in his like Spider Bundesliga career as well, coming from Wiesbaden on a free. He was at Paderborn too, but yeah, really made a home this season at Darmstadt. Yeah, and I mean, Pfeiffer, uh, you mentioned that in, in, in your backline. I, I think he came from Midtjylland in Denmark, right? Was it him who took a detour via Denmark uh, before getting into the Bundesliga 2? Yep. Uh, Overjohn, you mentioned that. He actually had three goals and nine assists this season, so you were quite right to, to point him out as a, a decent left-back. Uh, yeah, great team. I think um, functional? Mostly. How dare you? <laughs> Mostly. More functional than yours. It's a lot more functional. I mean, yours is sort of like... Um, Building teams is my li- living. If I didn't get it functional, I should be sued. Right. Done for faking my certificate. No, that's like something. <laughs> you know, yours is like an Ikea cupboard assembly correctly, whilst mine is like an Ikea cupboard to assembled whilst being under the influence of cocaine so here we go um in goal i actually went with your with your other instinct and sh- shows patrick drevis for drives from Sandhausen. great shot stopper kept them in a lot of lot of matches i managed to hold on to a lot of points for them and uh, was one of the biggest difference makers in terms of them staying in the league and uh, not going down on left back i chose fabian holland uh, he scored that tremendous goal against Werder bremen on the volley in the hinrunde and i i think he's an all-around good left back for the bundesliga too i went with your other pick as well uh, patrick pfeiffer i think he's had a tremendous season in in central defense um alongside with him i actually picked marco friedel from Werder bremen who i think actually was the best defender out of that bunch there and on right back, I've got Moritz Haier from Hamburg, who I think was actually quite adventurous going forward. And yes, yeah, it's fun to watch, really. Um, so you went with a 4-4-2 diamond shape. I went 4-4-3-3. Dysfunctional one at that. My midfield consists of Svante Ingelsson from Hansa Rostock, who I think was, uh, besides Hannah Behrens, their standout player in midfield this season. Uh, another Big reason for them actually managing to stay in the league. Uh, Mats Möller-Deli from Nuremberg, I think, uh, had a tremendous season. And hey, I need a Norwegian in my team. Jackson Irvine from uh, St. Pauli, I think, is an all-around good player. Great work rate, always present. And from, by all accounts, a fun guy. So I, my team needs fun guys. So uh, Jackson Irvine it is uh, for my third midfielder and my... You know, I couldn't make up my mind when it came to Strikers 2 because there were so many great ones. So I went with uh, Marvin Duksch as well in there. But then I decided to go with Simon Turodde because, hey, he is the fucking obvious choice. Mr. Zweite Bundesliga. And uh, alongside those two, I decided to put Guido Burgstaller, who I think needs the least amount of minutes to in between goals out of all strikers in the Bundesliga too, so um, I couldn't ignore that. So, yeah, that is my 11 for the season, and uh, your 11 is probably more functional than mine and would beat mine, but I think we managed to highlight almost 20 players who I think all of them had standout seasons and were big difference makers on their teams. Absolutely. So there. Um, Well, right, usually we do have a bit of lower league stuff in this segment of the show. A little bit of news in that there was the Regionalliga promotion playoff between Dynamo Berlin 
and VfB Oldenburg. And that was won by Oldenburg, 2-0 on the road. And the return like is this Saturday. So watch that. And with that, it is time to say that this is it for the last episode of Talking Football Extra, the Aufstieg edition for the 21-22 season. We hope you've enjoyed this series. We most certainly had a lot of fun recording it. Um, and I, I think I speak for all of us on the show when I say that we have appreciated all the ratings you've given Talking Football on various podcast platforms, all the tweets you've sent our way, Facebook messages, emails you've sent us about stuff that has been said or issues that have been raised on the show, you know, even the negative feedback or, you know, your your complaints. I truly appreciate them. Please keep doing what you do because getting your feedback makes recording this series all the more fun. And Jasmine, you and I, the first time we spoke with one another in person was when we recorded the first episode of the series and now 10 months later on crazy i couldn't imagine the talking foosball family without either you or mike who you know has been insanely busy covering gallivanting gallivanting around in denmark and stuff probably drinking carlsberg for breakfast and stuff so yeah it's been an absolutely tremendous ride this season with the two of you and uh i want to say Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It's truly made my season of football all the more fun. Yep. And thank you for getting in touch and having me on because without that, this wouldn't have been so amazing to talk about what has probably been one of the craziest Vita Bundesliga seasons ever. It was a great time to start a podcast series about the Bundesliga 2 and the lower leagues for talking football for sure. Well, uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, uh, hit us up at, at Talking Foosball. Uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com forward slash Talking Foosball, where I will be getting back to you next season with another historic match day series that is in the works. Jasmine, where can people find you on Twitter and your work? You can find me at underscore Jasmine Bubba on Twitter. Um, all my work will be there. I will be continuing stuff with DW. In, at some point, I had an article go out today, so go and read it about Bundesliga coaches. And yeah, you can keep up to date with all the things I do on there. If you want to keep up to date with me, and really there's not an awful lot going on in my life, but if you want to find out just how dreary it is, you can follow me on Twitter at Normusings. And with that, it is goodbye for now. Talk to you next season.